Hey folks, it's Jeremy, the host of Blamo. Thanks so much for listening. This is a preview of one of our exclusive shows on Patreon. These are member-supported shows, meaning they only happen because of our incredible members and community. So check out a preview of the episode, and if you like it, consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Blamo, where we have tons of exclusive Blamo episodes, shows, our amazing Slack group, and we're adding new things for members all the time. If not, no worries, we still love you, and we literally have hundreds of episodes of Blamo all free for you to dive into. Thanks so much. We all know there are tons of personalities in fashion. I mean, geez, scroll through the podcast feed. But someone I've always admired is GQ's Rachel Tashjian. Whether it's her hot takes on Twitter, her incredibly diverse wardrobe, or astute fashion criticisms, she's one of the most refreshing and humorous people I know. Naturally, she's back on the pod. We chat about how to view the world of fashion differently, why she shops secondhand, and why fashion criticism is more important than ever. It's Blamo Extra, and Rachel Tashjian is back. Some of the stuff I've been reading of you is, has been some very um, astute observations of the previous landscape of fashion writing, like things like that. I don't. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think... I guess I would say it seems to me that we've entered in a very specific mode of assessing fashion and style. Mm. Um, and I guess I'm sort of interested in pointing out that we're we're looking at fashion in this totally singular way and exploring other ways of looking at it and assessing its quality. Does that make sense? No, yeah. Like what... What are some of these ways that are appearing to be archaic now? Well, I think there is, it's very, uh, it became during the Trump administration. Well, I should, but this totally predates Trump. I guess I should say. Yeah, I agree. I think, well, first of all, I think Robin Gavon is the person who started doing all this. Of the and she's an absolute, yes. And she's an yeah. absolute genius. I mean, she wrote this incredible piece. I guess this was, maybe this was in 2004 when Dick Cheney wore a parka <laughs> to the inauguration. And she okay. wrote this genius dissection of why this was absolutely inappropriate. And I don't know if you remember this kind of miserable, you know, I mean, Dick Cheney always kind of looks miserable, but he's wearing this parka and he's like on the stage and you're like, you're the, you're in the, the presidential administration. How is this possible? Um, and I think that that kind of reading of fashion, that like kind of semiotic approach to fashion is so important and it's essential to understanding the way that power works and is communicated and wielded. Um, but I do think that once we entered the Obama years and there was this incredible effort by Michelle Obama to really engage with the fashion industry and realizing that she could potentially like make the careers of these young designers um, yeah. and really understanding the importance of that role. And as that something potentially that like a first lady could do, I think there was a, a lot of excitement in the fashion world that, that maybe this was lending a kind of seriousness to what we were doing. I mean, all of a sudden it was like, it's not just like, oh, Jason Wu is this exciting young designer. It's like, well, Jason Wu designed this dress that was worn by Michelle Obama at this very significant moment. Mm -hmm. And 
And so I think very fairly, the fashion industry and the fashion media became really interested in supporting these kinds of narratives. And especially as like a lot of, you know, people only wear so many outfits a day. And, and I and and it was a way to get access to designers and to get access to some pretty important people in seats of power. Um, right. And I think that 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 when when Trump was elected, there was a, a crisis in the fashion industry and in fashion media. Just the fashion we, industry? Well, but, I, but we yeah, no yeah. longer we no longer had this partner in the White House who was lending importance to what we were doing. And the narrative was no longer in the control of the designers. So now you have instead of, you know, OK, there is one of the most powerful and high profile women in the country is working with this designer to craft this specific um, vision and to mm -hmm. craft this message. And we are going to help interpret that message. Now you have like Melania Trump wearing a Gucci pussy bow blouse. And we're like, what the heck does that mean? But we're still, we were still, I think, attuned to this very semiotic, like message driven way of looking at fashion. And so we began to construct these like huge hairball narratives about, you know, oh, like so-and-so is giving us this message. So-and-so is like handing down this message by wearing this color and da-da-da-da. And people continued to do that, of course. It's like the white suit is worn by Hillary Clinton, you know, as she's conceding the race. But then it's like, at the, like the same night, we have Melania Trump is wearing a white suit. And and people tend to ignore For the like Melania movement. Yeah. Melania, yeah. people we ignore Melania Trump wearing the suit because it's like, oh, well, that conflicts with the kind of comfortable narrative structure that we are used to. But this is something I've been thinking about a lot. So I guess what what I'm really sort of pushing back against recently is this very um, constructed, semiotic um, conspiracy of, of like, okay, this person wants to convey this message and the media, the fashion media's job is to push forward that message. Like, for example, I would say that Kamala Harris's suit, the night that she, uh, the night of also the kind suit. of victory party, I thought that suit didn't fit very well. Why is that? But instead, I, I just thought like it the cream of the blouse didn't quite oh. match the the jacket. I thought the jacket was a little too short. But mm. what but but instead what you know what we write about is like it's very empowering that she wore this white suit. And I would agree that that is an interesting message for her to put forth. I thought, you know, she made the right choice in wearing that color and wearing a pantsuit, but there's more to look at there than just this narrative that she's trying to push. And it's your job as a journalist to dig deeper than just like the message that the person is putting out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I, I think one of the things that like I'm, I'm always trying to wonder now is like, when did it become more of the norm to go to have like a full 360 understanding of a designer and their supply chain and their manufacturing in order to endorse them. Because I feel like back in the day, now look, a lot of this stuff was couture. So it was 
pretty easy to see what their supply chain and labor force was like. But I feel like now, you know, because even like a perfect example, right? Like, so Michelle Obama, she wore a bunch of uh, J. Crew, Jenna Lyons mm-hmm. stuff. And now this, they're like, she shouldn't have been wearing that because she should have known of yeah. the labor practices that were happening. And even though it was good for her and Jenna Lyons' career and J. Crew and J. Crew Women's and making her wearing clothes that were affordable that people could go buy it's they she shouldn't have been doing that and i'm like well like no one can win anymore yeah yeah it's it's i'm just wondering like when did that all happen of the 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 deeper analyzing of of labor forces and and all of that other stuff within who people are wearing well i think a lot of it you know um started when there were and I'm trying to think of when this would have been. I mean, like around 2012, I think, is when the Rana Plaza fire happened, which was a fast fashion factory uh, in Bangladesh, where mm. almost everyone, I think it, I can't quite remember the specifics, but like almost everyone who worked in the factory died. Um, and there were a number of, you know, it, I, I can't remember the brand names. Uh, it wasn't J. Crew or anything like that. But and it, I don't think H and M was there. But I'm not giving a very good retelling of this. But I think that <laughs> sort of um, when you started to see these um, major human rights abuses, like there, there was more re- reporting happening. Maybe starting around the time that this fire happened. Um, which a lot of it is done by Vanessa Friedman at the Times and Elizabeth Payton and um, Dana Thomas, who writes for the Times occasionally as well, and wrote a big uh, book actually that came out about a year ago about um, it's called Fashionopolis, and it was about mm. fast fashion. So I think that this is actually, I mean, it's something that that more fashion writers have been focusing on and journalists have been focusing on for the past five or six years, and I think. It seems like maybe when the pandemic started, actually, people had a moment to sort of think about these things in a way that they didn't before. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's that's definitely, I don't know. And maybe it's like because there's, the, is it the whole sort of buy, buy, you know, less but buy better? Like, let's, let's really analyze the quality of things or because there's not as much stuff coming out. Because I think also, you know, right with the pandemic, and this is also a really brilliant piece he wrote about some of the downfall of some of these folks like Man Repeller, which is kind of heartbreaking. Um, I mean, yeah. I don't know anyone or anyone on that team personally, but that was like pretty gnarly that like she's almost canceled now. Yeah. Well, no one gets canceled. What? No one get, actually gets canceled. I mean, it's what do you not, mean? Like, I don't know. I just I can't really think of anyone except for Harvey Weinstein, who has been actually fully canceled. Gosha, Gosha's canceled. But his, st- I was just in Dover Street a couple weeks ago, and his stuff is still there. Really? Yeah. Even after all the WhatsApp stuff. Yeah. No? All right. I guess it was still there because no one's buying it. I don't know. I mean, it looks pretty <laughs> new to me. But <laughs> Wild. So what, you've been shopping. No, you've, you've been going to places. Yeah, I've been going to places. Yeah. Have you? 
I mean, I I left. I left New York in September. Yeah. No. So what what, what stores and stuff have you been going to? You've been going to Dover. Like, what's it like out there? Want to hear the rest? The hot takes never stop over on the Patreon. Head over to patreon.com forward slash blammo to hear this and many, many more episodes from the return of Sid Mashburn, the Sartorialist, and more. You'll also get access to our private Slack group where we chat about this stuff nonstop with tons of other listeners. So check out patreon.com forward slash blammo and we'll see you there.